All right, this morning, um, man, jumping in the book of Esther, and we didn't have a, a scripture reading video this week because, you know, it's 10 chapters long, and I'm trying to teach the whole book, and that would be like 50 minutes of straight reading. And so what I want to do this morning is just kind of give us some of the highlights of the book of Esther. But before I want to do that, I kind of want to set up and kind of remind us of, of where we are in our in our series. And so, um, you know, we, we, we started this last week by going, hey, when, when a nation is shaking, Man, what does it look like for God's people to step in the gap, to stand in that gap, God, to, to, to bridge the, the shaking that the nation is coming through in God and how God's people can be a part of that? And so last week, we, we began by looking at the, this man named Moses. And, 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 and God was so displeased with the nation of Israel, with the, the people that Moses was a part of. And, and Moses, God, uh, God uses a friendship and the prayer of, of, of Moses to, to really settle and to save this, this nation that was shaking. And, and today we're going to be looking at Esther, but I just I, I just want to acknowledge, you know, the reality is that that for the majority of us, we've never um, lived in a nation that's truly been shaking. Um, but that's not like. That's not new. That's not normal for people all over the world. I mean, our staff on Thursday mornings, one of the things that we're doing right now is we gather and we pray for a different nation every Thursday. And I've just been rattled by how many different nations all over the world, Rwanda, especially in Africa, Sudan, man, South Africa, people whose, whose nations have, have been shaking and, 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 and our country is feeling some of this right now where, where we're going, man, and when, when a nation is shaking, when things that were always settled are not settled, what are the people of God to do? And so this morning, what we're gonna do, you know, we looked at, at Moses last week. Next week, Aaron's gonna teach us about Jesus. But this morning, we're gonna be looking at this woman named Esther and to glean from her life what it looks like as God's people to stand in the gap for a nation that's shaking. You know, Esther, um, maybe you've, you've read the book of Esther before. My guess is we haven't really preached on this too much, and so it's not super familiar for a lot of us. And so I just want to give us just a synopsis of, of the book of Esther. And so, you know, the, the way that I'll, I'll talk about this, it's a, it's a really heartbreaking yet heroic story. And I encourage you sometime, you know, to, to sit down and in one sitting, just, just read through the 10 chapters of Esther. There's so many turns and twists and just so much. It's a really crazy story. Um, it's, it's heartbreaking, it's, it's, it's heroic, and to kind of frame up the story, you know, the Jewish people had, had been driven out of their country, so they were settled in the Middle East, in Jerusalem, right, in the land of Israel, and, and they had been driven out of their country, they're scattered all over the, the, the ancient world, the global powerhouse of the day is this nation of, of Persia, and sitting at the top of the Persian kingdom is, is this king named Xerxes, and the story of Esther picks up where Xerxes is looking for a new queen. And as I was trying to think about how to, how to share the story and how to tell it to us, I literally just kind of thought of, of, of The Bachelor, like what was happening in Esther, Esther 1 and 2. It was like The Bachelor literally, but, but way worse, if it's even possible to be worse than The Bachelor, right? But, but, but he, what happens in Esther is he, he brings in all of these women into his palace. And, and unlike the show in The Bachelor, we get to sign up for it and be a part of it. Man, um, they're, they're brought in kind of against their will. They don't get a choice. They're brought into his palace. And... Each one, kind of one at a time, comes into to his royal chamber and comes to his room, and he literally sleeps with everyone. And then he just picks one that he wants to be queen. And, and you read this, and you're going, what? This is so sad. It's so heartbreaking. It's so, it's so devastating. And, and so all this is unfolding where he's looking for a queen. All these women are coming. And, and this one woman that Xerxes sets his eyes on, this, this woman named Esther, is the one that he chooses. And what's so interesting about Esther, many things, but she's of Jewish descent. 
right? So this, this group of people that had been exiled, deported all over the world in the minority, and she rises to become the queen over all the land. You know, so as, as queen, some time passes and, and, and some trouble comes up for the Jewish people, for her people. They find themselves in this predicament that this law had been passed, that, that every man and woman and child across all of the ancient world was to be put to death if you were Jewish. You think about this, this is a, it's a holocaust. Hatred of the Jews. So Esther, here she is as, as queen, and this predicament is unfolding, and her, her cousin Mordecai that we're going to talk about in just a minute, he's urging her, he urges her, hey, you've got to go to the king. You've got to do something about this. And what she knows is that, that she's not allowed, no one's allowed to just enter into the king's presence. You can't just show up and, and, and talk to him. If, if, if you show up in his presence and he doesn't invite you in, literally the law says that you'll be executed. I'm telling you, you gotta go read Esther. There's so much just weird, crazy stuff going on here, but it's what happens. And Esther, she looks at the, the shaking of her people, and she looks at the place that she finds herself in where she's, she's pretty hopeless, she's really powerless to do anything about it. And so she gathers the Jewish people, she, she prays, she declares a fast, and then she risks her life to save them. And it's just this beautiful story that God works through this woman to, to, to settle a nation that is shaking. So this morning, what I want us to do is I want us to just glean a few things as, as I've tried to, to, to dig into Esther 10 and try to think about some things that we can learn from, from someone who stands in the gap when a nation is shaking, what it looks like for us to learn. And so these are, are kind of three things. I'm sure there are so many other points, but these are three things for us this morning. The first thing that, that I want us to notice about Esther is that pay attention to who she listened to. The first thing that I want us to, to, notion, to, to notice about a person standing in the gap for a nation when they're shaking is, is that we pay attention to who they're listening to. I love Esther chapter two, verse 20. It said, Esther had kept secret her family background and nationality just as Mordecai had told her to. For she continued to follow Mordecai's instructions as she had done when he was bringing her up. And so there's this beautiful backstory with, with Esther, you know, when, as, a, as, a, as a girl, as a young girl, we presume that both her mom and her dad died. It says that this man, Mordecai, was her cousin. He, he steps in and, and uh, Esther chapter two, verse seven, says that he took her in as his own daughter. And the picture that you see in, in Esther is of just this such love and concern and care, you know, took it in as his own daughter. I go, I think about, for me, I have two daughters, I have a son too, and there's nothing I wouldn't do for them. And that's the picture that's being painted of Mordecai, this man who loves her. And all throughout the story, what you see is that, that Esther listens to Mordecai. She lets his words shape her life. I picked this one verse in Esther chapter two, verse 20, where Mordecai says, hey, as queen, you can't tell that, that you're of Jewish, Jewish nationality. And so the, the irony is that she is queen, that there's this edict that's been decreed to kill all of her people, and the king doesn't even know that his own bride, his own queen is Jewish. And yet she listens to him. She gave weight to his words. And I was just thinking about how we, we all do this that we give weight to people's words in our lives, that, that, that we are shaped by what other people say. And we all do this. We all do things because people tell us, hey, you should do this. I remember uh, talking to a friend a couple years ago and he was telling me, hey, you should, you should take a cold shower in the morning. 
And, and I tried taking cold shower, and in the summer it's okay, but it is a terrible idea. You are a terrible friend for suggesting that to me. Like, you know, you think about the, the things that we try. I remember several years ago, uh, one of my friends saying, hey, you should put butter in your coffee. And I'm like, you should put butter? Wait, I thought we were trying to cut out butter from our diet. Why are we trying to put it in this delicious beverage? And and, and I tried it, it was terrible. But you think about this in your life, and, and, and I've done it, and you've done it. You do crazy and ridiculous things. Because people's words, we give them weight in our lives. But what happens in our life when we give weight to, to the wise words, to the wise people in our lives? You know, you think about this. When, 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 you need, when you're looking for a change in career, when you're looking for career advice, who is it that you turn to? Man, you, you find someone that you respect, who, who does your, tra- your, your craft, your trade really well. Someone you want to be like? Man, that's who you seek out. Or you think about when you're looking for a relationship advice, who, who do you turn to? Go, man, you, you, you find someone who does relationships well, who loves and sacrifices, and you see in them something that is good and something that's noble and something that is attractive, something that is, is beautiful and lovely. Or man, when you, when you need help raising your kids or figuring out how to, how to um, traverse this, this cultural climate that we find in, who do we turn to? Man, that there's something about the, the people that we turn to in the midst of shaking that really matters. You know, I love that, that Esther, this, this detail, man, that her life was shaped by the words of Mordecai. And the thing that we're going to see about Esther is that Esther, is, she, she reflects and she gives us a foretaste of and she points us to Jesus. You know, that in the same way that Esther gave words, gave weight to the words of this person that she loved that had taken care of her, you see this in Jesus in John chapter 12, verse 50, where he says, whatever I say is just what the Father told me to say. Or what Jesus said in John chapter five, I do only what the Father tells me to do. And guys, my, my concern right now is that for many followers of Jesus in America, Man, Jesus' words, they do not have the most weight in our lives. You know, Jesus in John chapter 10 says, my sheep, they listen to my voice and they follow me. And I go, man, if, if, if you and I, if we were to go through right now and just to take an inventory of our lives, like literally the, the way that we treat people, the way that you treat your coworkers, the way that you treat your mom and dad, the way that you treat your spouse, the way that you treat your roommate, the way that you treat that, 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 um, that neighbor of yours that is just so irritating. I go, man, are our lives being shaped by the words of Jesus? The way that you spend, the way we spend our time and our money, the way that we treat people who hurt us, if we were being really honest, do the words of Jesus carry the most weight in our lives? You see, what I love about Esther is, is she's, she's, she's shaping us. God's using this woman's example to invite us into this life where we give the most weight to the right people. And I love what we're gonna discover about Esther. When, when that happens, it doesn't mean that things always turn out the way that we want, but there is a goodness and a joy and a truth to when we allow our lives to be shaped by the right peoples in their words. The first thing that we learn is that when a nation is shaking, who we are listening to is so unbelievably important. The second thing that we learn from from Esther is that she leaned into the presence of God with her community. 
when the nation was shaking, she leaned into the presence of God with her community. Listen to this, Esther chapter four, starting in verse eight. It says, Mordecai told her to instruct him to go into the king's presence and to beg for mercy and to plead with the king for the Jewish people. So Hathak, the messenger, went back and he reported to Esther what Mordecai had said. And then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, so she sends him back, all the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that they be put to death, unless the king extends a gold scepter and spares their lives. Listen to this, but 30 days have passed since I was called to go to the king. So she hasn't even seen the king's face in 30 days. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think, Esther, that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day, and I and my attendants will fast as you do. And when this is done, I will go to the king, even though it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. You know, I love what Esther models for us here. That when the nation was shaking, when, when something comes into her life that is bigger than her and beyond her scope of being able to control or fix, she teaches us to gather the community and pray. You know, I, I think we, we, we so often we miss this crucial step, this step that she got right and that the Lord is inviting us to step into. How often when we see things shaking around us, guys, with the best of intentions, man, what we do is we try to immediately, we see the shaking, we try to fix the problem. We try to take it into our hands without taking it to the Lord first. I go, this is not just our problem. This has been the problem of the forefather of our faith with Abraham where God shows up to this man and he says, I'm gonna bless you. All the descendants in the world are gonna be blessed through you. I'm gonna bless your family so that there's numerous as the stars in the sky. And Abraham looks at his life and he goes, I don't have a kid. How is that even possible? And so what he does is he takes it into his own hand. And do you realize that the Islamic faith, they trace their, their lineage back to Ishmael? So when Abraham, man, he didn't, th he didn't think through what he was doing. He took it into his own hands instead of taking it to the Lord. And I go, guys, how often we create so much more of a mess and a stir and a problem for God to have to come in to fix when Esther is inviting us. When you see the world shaking, your posture should first be to gather the people of God and pray. And guys, there's, there's a clarity that comes in prayer. Man, that, that there's a joining of our heart with God's heart. There is a perspective that happens in prayer when we genuinely seek the Lord. Man, it is remarkable. I was thinking about it in my life, and you can try this in your life, but it's remarkable the difference. When, whenever I stop and I pray and I invite God into a, a, a tough pastoral conversation that I've got to have, it's remarkable the difference when my kids are, are, you know, being kids, but they're being disruptive or disobedient or whatever. And instead of just reacting when I have the, the self-control to go, God, what do I need to do? That there is a remarkable difference when I, when I come to the Lord and I don't take things into my own hands first. That God does something. I love that Esther shows that she was desperate for God. She understood she was helpless without God. 
And I believe her, her example is an invitation for us on what it looks like. Man, in moments of shaking when things are beyond you, it's an invitation. This is the posture. Fast and to pray. I remember several years ago, one of my friends, one of my good friends, he was just, you know, his work life, he, he, he was having a rough time in life, especially with work. I remember getting this email for him just saying, hey, I'm gonna fast and I'm gonna pray. I just need some clarity in regards to my job and my future. And I remember getting that email and being taken so aback because what, what stood out to me is how, how serious this guy was about, about asking the Lord, God, what do you have for me? And I fasted and I prayed with him. And he came out the end of that side and God had just given this incredible clarity about his next step. And I, and I look at that and I go, man, there's something beautiful and inspiring and inviting about that life. I love that, that Esther shows us what to do. And I love that, that she, she, she um, models for us communally how to do this. You know, it wasn't just she that, that went aside and did this thing by herself. She prayed best. No, she invited the community, the Jewish people into it. You know, in two weeks, we're going to be stepping into a season of, of prayer and fasting as a, as a church family. And our focus this year, you know, in years past, we've been going, God, would you, would, you, would you save the lost? Would you save every person in Nashville? And would you awaken us? And this year, our focus is, God, would you help the church to look just like you? Would you help everything about us to reflect you and bring you glory and honor and praise? And I go, guys, be honest. As you look across our city and our country, none of us go, our nation's thriving right now. <laughs> man, we look across the landscape and we go, man, our nation is divided. It's not the worst division our nation has ever seen. It's not the, the worst division that's ever taken place. We're kind of dramatic in America, so we can play that up to be. But the reality is, as we look across our nation, we're divided. As we look across the landscape of our city, we go, man, there are so many people in our city and in our country that do not actually know and love and follow Jesus. They're lost. They're not living their lives being influenced by the love and under the leadership of the Lord Jesus. There are so many people in our city, in our country, and should nothing change, they will spend, they're on a trajectory to spend the rest of their lives eternally separated from our Heavenly Father that loves them much. Guys, our, our city, our country, there's, there's pain. There's pain in our hearts. There's suffering, there's, there's poverty, there's injustice. There are strongholds that Satan has on people and on families and on systems. And it's a battle that we are in that we desperately need the Lord to speak to us about. And guys, one of the things that God just over and over again in scripture says, and I don't even know how I missed this, but when a community, when God's people Fast and pray and seek him with their heart. God shows up. God responds. You see this here in the book of Esther. But it's not just here. You see it in the book of Jonah. You know, when you think about Jonah, I don't know what you think about. It's, it's so much more than just this, this man that gets swallowed by this giant fish. Man, look, the, the, the reason that, that he got swallowed by a giant fish is because God told him to go to a nation that was not Israel, the nation of Assyria, because they were living a life that was displeasing to the Lord, and God cared about them. And so God sends Jonah to go and preach to them. He doesn't want to go. God finally gets his attention. He goes to the nation of Assyria. And do you know what they do in Jonah chapter three? It says this pagan nation, the nation of Assyria, they declare a nationwide fast. And they repent. 
And it says that God turns his face back towards them. You see it in the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 9. The people of God had let go of his commands, had let go of his heart. They declare it fast. And over and over and over again, when God's people look at the world that's shaking and they come together to seek his face, God speaks. What we learn from Esther is, is not just who we listen to is important in the midst of the shaking. And it's, and it's not just gathering the people to pray. The third thing that I think Esther models for us and invites us in is she put her life on the line. She put her life on the line. Esther chapter 5, verse 1, it says, On the third day, so after the three days of fasting, fasting and praying, Esther put on her royal robes, and she stood in the inner court of the palace in front of the king's hall. And the king was sitting on his royal throne in the hall facing the entrance. This is a moment of truth. <laughs> you know, she woke up that day and she counted the cost. Like the reality is that, that this could have been the last breath that she took. And I love it. When the king, this is verse two, when he saw Esther standing in the court, he was pleased with her. And he held out the gold scepter. And he told her to approach. You see, it was, it was from this, this place of prayer that she received clarity, and then she acted. You see, what the Lord showed Esther in prayer was that she had a, an incredible part to play in dealing with the problem that was before her, and the part that she was to play was to put her life on the line. I was just thinking about you know, those three days and what I would be praying if I was Esther. I would have been like, God, please change the king's heart. Like, God, show up to the king, let him have a dream, let him decide to revoke the law, let the man who issued the decree, man, have a change of heart. And yet what came out of prayer was that she was to lay down her life, to risk her life. And I go, guys, I, I love this. Let's have the courage as God's people to pray into the problems that are shaking our country to pray into the problems that are shaking our day and to be willing to pay whatever the price the Lord asks us to pay for God's glory and the good of those around us. And just think about this. Think about the, 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 what Esther got to experience. She came into this, this day of prayer, and these three days of prayer and fasting, and she came out. God spoke clearly to her. She knew exactly what to do. The thrill, guys, of seeking God and having clarity from God that, that this is your marching orders, that this is what you're supposed to do. And there's something that was scary about this moment, but there was something that was exhilarating. It's for the first time maybe in her whole life, she realized I'm actually following Jesus. John chapter 10, my sheep listen to my voice and they follow me. She was a sheep of God. So many of us, man, we're scared to pray into the problems today because we're scared to pay the price. And what is actually happening is we're not actually following Jesus. But I love what happens when we come into God's presence and we pray into the problems of our day with open hands, and it's not God changed this, and it's not God changed that, it's God, how can you use me to bring about the change that you wanna see? So one quick story, I think about how has this, this has shaped out in our church family, you know, several years ago, there's a couple, and um, the, the, the wife was in law enforcement. 
And in a season of prayer and fasting, God just started gripping her heart for, for those who are, are, are being human, tra- those in human trafficking, those who have been trafficked. And God just got a hold of her heart. She had this opportunity to, to literally move from Nashville to a different nation, different country in the world, where her job would literally be to, 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 to persecute those who are trafficking, to rescue those who are being trafficked, to stand in the gap and to, to intercede those that, that look like they're being human trafficked. And, and it was just this crazy time where, where God put this burden on her heart and said, it is up to you. Do you want to step in? So she left everything that was comfortable. She and her family packed their bags. And every day they're rescuing these kids from human trafficking, these women, these men from human trafficking. I go, guys, when we see things, when we see things that are not as they ought to be, and we come into the Lord's presence and we ask God to do something about it, don't be surprised when you find an assignment from God. A costly assignment. Assignment that might cost you your life. But an assignment that catches you up in the wonderful, mysterious, life-changing, redeeming of Jesus saving the world. Don't be surprised when when you find yourself being useful to God. I love this story. I love the book of Esther. You know, one of the things that, that stands out to me about Esther is that the name of God is not one time mentioned in the book of Esther, not one time in 10 chapters. It's the only book of the Bible that God's name is not mentioned. And, and I actually find that really comforting. I find that really encouraging because isn't it true that sometimes in our real lives, man, in our real prayers, as we look across the brokenness in our country, doesn't it sometimes feel like God isn't there? that he's not listening, that he's absent, that he's not working. And what Esther teaches us is that our God is always working. And that when we line up our plans under his plans, God works and God moves and God saves. I love this story. I love that this story points us to Jesus. You know, it satisfies the, the cry and the desire of our hearts. You know, Esther, man, she stood in the gap for people who were helpless on the brink of destruction by risking her life to save them. And hundreds of years later, Jesus would come. And the scriptures tell us some things. It, it tells us that, that, that we weren't on the brink of destruction. It wasn't we, like we were the people of, uh, of Israel in Esther's day, that, that we were about to be destroyed. The scriptures make it abundantly clear, Ephesians chapter 2, that we were dead in our sins. Colossians chapter 1, that we were enemies of God. Completely powerless is what Romans chapter 5 says. It says that in that moment, Jesus, Psalm chapter 40, Hebrews chapter 10, he shows up and he says, here I am, my God. I've come to do your will. And Jesus steps in, not when we were on the brink of destruction, we were already living in destruction. And Jesus offered his body on the cross where the full wrath of God for your sin and my sin was laid on him. So that we sinners, think about all the things we've done, the sinful, just disgusting things that we've done against God, and he dealt with those sins by putting the, 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 the curse and the wrath on his son Jesus. And because of Jesus, we're forgiven and we're free. And we're no longer marked by death and destruction, we're marked by life, eternal life and joy. Joy forever, joy abundant. 
you know, here in a minute, um, we're, we're going to step back into a time of worship. And after that, we're going to take communion. And, and during communion, um, you know, we're going to throw some, a, a slide up here at the end of worship. And I really encourage you to, to wrestle with these questions with whoever it is that you're gathered with today. Now, the questions are, what, what part of, of Esther's life most resonates with you? And what do you sense the Lord is inviting you to do? And so for, for some of you, man, don't let this, this word of God's pricking your heart, of God's speaking, don't let it fall on a cold, hard heart. Do something with it. For some of you, God's inviting you to, to be saved, to cross over from destruction to life, to, to put your faith in Jesus, to open your life up to God. And so I just encourage you to, to literally just pray, God, would you save me? And if you want to walk with God, send us an email, share at ethoschurch.org. We will baptize you. We will walk with you. We will teach you what it means to follow Jesus. For some of you, the response is to be saved. For some of you, man, maybe you realize that in the, the midst of this content, the, the cultural climate, you've not one time listened to Jesus. You've taken all your cues from culture or how, what you felt or what your grandmother told you to do. And I'm going, man, may this serve as a, an, an act of repentance where you go, God, I want to get things right and in the right order. Maybe for you, the response is that you realize that you have a significant part to play. That you're gonna step into this season of prayer and fasting, not thinking about what you have to give up, but thinking about what God's gonna do through you and through our church family. Guys, as we, as we, as we, as we take this, as we, as, we, as we wrestle with these questions, may God move and strengthen us. And, and Natalie and Tom are gonna lead us into a time of worship right now. And, and as we're worshiping, I just encourage you, man, to thank Jesus that he stood in the gap for you. That you're forever saved because of what Christ has done for you. That you'll be with God. You'll dwell in his presence forever because of what he has done for you. Not what you did for yourself. And as we're thanking Jesus, as we're worshiping, as we're setting our minds and our heart, let's anticipate and, and desire and cry out for him to return. Guys, only when Christ returns will Satan and all of his schemes be squashed. Only when Jesus returns will perfect justice be executed over the whole face of the earth. Only when Jesus returns will pain and sorrow in our hearts from death and disappointment and disappointment be turned into joy and dancing as we see Jesus face to face, as, we, as our mourning is turned into dancing, as we forever see his physical presence, we stand in his presence forever seeing the one who loved us like no one else has. And so right now, as, as, we, as we turn our attention, our affection to worshiping him, let's thank him and let's cry out for him. Let me pray and then we'll, we'll jump into worship. And so God, thank you. Thank you for the example that Esther showed us, that she modeled. Thank you for the way that she pointed us to you, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done for us, God. I, I, I pray that you would give me courage to step into things that you have for me. God, there would be nothing that, that hinders us or scares us, God, that we would step fully into your plans and your purposes. And so, God, we, we are consecrating ourselves as we step into this 30 days. And we're just saying, God, would you do something in us that doesn't just change this nation and this generation, but, but every nation and every generation. God, as, as we're gathering with, with people in our city and in, in, in our state and in our country and countries all over the world to pray and to seek you, God, would you let our prayers and our fasting come up before you as an offering? And holy God, would you work through it? God, to bring about your purposes and your kingdom, would you be the king over the whole earth? 
Would you reign, Jesus? Would strongholds start to fall that the enemy has? God, would, 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 would things fall into place under your lordship and your leadership? God, we see more people say than ever before. We love you, Jesus. We are your people. Awaken us. Awaken us, God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's worship.